In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's life, that's what all the people say. Riding high in April, shot down in May. See, if only Peter had had Frank Sinatra around when he was there, he would have understood more what happened from last week's lesson, gospel lesson to this week's gospel lesson. Last week, as you will recall, he was riding high in April. Peter had just had a great compliment from the Lord. Jesus had, was asking people, who, who do folks say that I am? And they said, oh, you know, one of the prophets, Elijah, Jeremiah, whatever. And he said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, for once, got it right and said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus complimented him and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for, you know, humans didn't reveal this to you, but God did. And so he was feeling pretty good about that. And then after that, Jesus said, the next sentence said, He began to teach the disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests, scribes, and elders and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Peter, emboldened by his recent success, decided to speak up again, as he usually did. Only this time it didn't go so good. He said, God forbid it, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned on him like a rabid dog and said, Get thee behind me, Satan, because this isn't from divine stuff. This is human stuff you're talking here. I'm sure Peter was crushed after that. So he went from being the rock. Jesus said, this confession is the rock on which I'm going to build the church. He went from that to being a stumbling block. It's a rock, but this time it's not one to build the church on. It's one to trip over when you're trying to do your mission. So I'm, I'm thinking that this would probably be the next Christian rap song. It'll go like this. Give me a beat, Mike. Peter's great confession was the rock, but now he's turned into a stumbling block. Maybe it won't be the next great. I'm not sure. But he did have a big change from being complimented to being called Satan from you know one paragraph to the next. Peter was a guy pretty much like everybody else at that time. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He just didn't know what the Messiah was supposed to do. So Peter was a guy who was saying that, uh, you know, what it should be like is it should be kind of the good life. That's what he thought it would be. He figured, everybody figured that when the Messiah came, that there was going to be prosperity. Israel was going to be taken to its natural place in the world of power. It was going to be just like the golden days of King David, except even better. It was going to be a time, like the Old Testament prophets said, that it was a time where there was going to be uh, what, what, springs of water in the desert and the mountains dripping with sweet wine. It was going to be one of those kind of great times. That's what Peter wanted, that kind of prosperity, the good life. That's what he was looking for. And on these holiday weekends, uh, I always think about uh, my family stuff and, and going back to what my parents did. Uh, it's always a family time on a, on a holiday weekend. And so I was thinking about that. I think my parents wanted to give us kids the good life. They were part of the World War II generation, the greatest generation. They were people who knew how to sacrifice. They were people who knew how to get by. They were people who knew that it was... a uh, 
that there was a, a, a goal or a purpose that was higher than just themselves and their own selfish interests. So they tried to do that for us. They tried to give us the good life. And I think they did, but not in the way that Peter had thought. As I look back on that, uh, the good life was not about that we got new bicycles or catcher's mitts or something. The good life was watching my parents be pleased to sacrifice for us and have the relationship develop between us. The thing that uh, was great about it that was the good life was, to me, it was having our parents be with us to play games and to review homework. My mom would review the English and social studies. My dad would review the math and science with us. It was getting together and eating meals, not with the television on or swiping phones while you're doing it, but, I mean, eating meals and talking to one another. Wow. And uh, when's the last time you saw that happen? It was uh, looking around and seeing that I had a dad that would, even though he had a hip that didn't move, would prop himself up against the tool shed with the catcher's mitt and let me practice pitching. Would take the big flashlight and a BB gun out at night and shoot starlings and sparrows in the barn with me, blowing away a few of God's little creatures that shouldn't be there in the barn. That was the good life to me. The good life was uh, taking food over to neighbors when their, when their little boy died. It was hooking up to the corn picker and going over and picking the neighbor's corn because he was in the hospital, doing things for other people. All of that stuff, that was the good life, getting around the piano, letting my mother play show tunes and hymns alternately so that we could sing. When I look back, I think that's the good life. Now, Jesus said that whoever is going to try to find his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That if you lose yourself in something that has a higher purpose, that is greater than you, you're always going to feel good. You're always going to have a good life. I read a story about a guy who was really having trouble uh, in his relationship with himself. And so he thought, well, he couldn't get that figured out. So he thought, well, he would try to find it in God. And then he couldn't get that. That didn't seem to work either. And finally, he just gave up and said, well, I'm just going to do a bunch of good stuff for my neighbors and friends. And then, surprisingly enough, he found all three. That's the good life that Jesus was talking about, to lose ourselves in that purpose for others and for the Lord. Jesus told Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. And... Uh, I think, you know, maybe that, that, that should be taken fairly literally. That when we are behind the Lord, we can see what's going on. That we can watch the Lord and see what He's doing. Get behind Him and watch what He's doing. What did Jesus do? Well, people spend a lot of time talking about uh, interpreting what Jesus said. I think it'd go a lot better if we just got behind and watched what He did. That He was a guy who would talk to anybody, whether they were tax collectors for a foreign government, whether they were women caught red-handed in adultery, whether they were Canaanite foreigners, people, uh, tax, you know, tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners, the great sinners of the time. He would talk to anybody. He was very much inclusive of all people. He was somebody who healed the sick, who took care of the brokenhearted, who cast out demons. That's what he was doing. And when we get behind him and see that, 
that will let us know what we're doing. So when we are standing before the Lord, as our passage says, he will do what everybody has done. He will look at what everybody has done. When we are standing before the Lord, what we want to be able to say is when he says, well, what have you done? We want to be able to say, "Uh, I followed him and I went where he went and I did what he did. I'm with him. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.